Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology in Jesus podcast. Finally. I am your host, as always, Tim Whitaker, <laughs> joined by Jordan Renault over here. Hola. And yes, Jordan, it is finally. It's been um, probably close to a month now since we last podcasted. Yeah. Since I've been on, at least, because I didn't, I wasn't on the last one. Yeah, I think our last one was... Uh, we Riley. talked about oh yeah abortion with with Riley and Rob, yeah. um, which Can't even was remember it's been so long. Well, it has been a while uh, for sure. So thank you everyone for hanging in there. I know it's been a, a pretty large gap. Uh, we like to keep you one. in suspense to expand our our listenership. <laughs> yes, yes. It's kind of like <laughs> what when, are they doing? Without it's kind us? <laughs> of like when you're in a local band and you're recording an album and you really think that people are waiting for this album yes. to drop, and then when you drop it, Expectantly. no one picks it up besides like your mom and dad. Refreshing the new podcast page over and over exactly. on your phone. Yeah, but the reality is, oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> those guys had a podcast. That's so. what I do with Dan Carlin, but there's never a new. That's Dan true. Podcast. Dan, Dan Carlin is one that I will wait for. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, thanks everyone again for hanging out with us and joining us on, on this episode. Um, obviously, we don't get paid to do this full time. Probably a good thing because it's not a great podcast. The quality <laughs> would go way down. <laughs> Probably. So Jordan, what do you want to talk about today? Uh, hmm. Not really sure. Um, <laughs> Coffee? <laughs> seats are comfy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, but I've been going so crazy, which, you know, and like you, Jordan, I think you're, at, you're getting ready to move. In a couple months, yes, I am over to uh, the West Coast. Yeah, over there. Let's to, just put it out there. First land. time on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> where, where, where are you moving to, Jordan? Uh, my wife and I are moving to Seattle. Okay. In September, just well, just north of Seattle, uh, to be part of a church plant out there. That's exciting. Yeah, I think you're going out there for the coffee because Starbucks is out there, the yes. original one. So. Yeah, but Starbucks out there is kind of like the starting point. Like that's the worst quality coffee. Really? That's probably not true. But it's like the one that's everywhere. Like we have right. Dunkin' Donuts or Wawa here. Right. And Starbucks is a little bit more exclusive. Not that it's not. I but mean, there's a lot of them. The cool thing, though, is that is that you can go to the first ever Starbucks. That's true. That's going to be cool. I walked by it when we were there before. Okay. And there was a long line down the block. So I did not go in. Well, now that now that you're now that you're going to be one of those locals, you can yeah. you can yell at all, all those tourists, you know, and say, get exactly. out, get out of here tourists oh those wannabe baristas oh, at other baristas. starbucks in the country <laughs> exactly yeah so between you getting ready to move rob uh he's not on the episode to this week because he's planning his his son's uh first ever birthday party wow. so he's that takes a lot of a lot of time apparently apparently <laughs> one-year-old birthday parties are a big deal so <laughs> yeah i'm finding this it's out something the older. child will remember forever so <laughs> yes you definitely. want it to be good <laughs> yes yes i remember my first uh, birthday party yeah. Oh yeah, just like it was yesterday. It's Hulk themed. It was. I'm sure it was. So. <laughs> and, and so between that and between you moving and me wanting to jump off a cliff trying to plan a wedding, um, you know, that's a good description. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, this is uh, the stress. Yeah, it'll get worse and worse until <laughs> until until your wedding day. Man, Jordan, and then thanks. Then that's what makes it the best day of your life. <laughs> you really should. No have. more planning. <laughs> well, I, I do. I do have this like this reoccurring dream um, <laughs> where I wake up and the wedding's over and I can breathe again. But right now it's just a dream. Okay. So yeah, I, I I just keep on daydreaming about that that time when I wake up on Saturday morning, my wife is next to me, and I can go. The planning is done. Now we go on a honeymoon and do nothing. Yeah. Hopefully you realize it a little sooner than that. I hope. Yeah. But we'll see. Let somebody else take over that day. That's fine. Don't be in charge of anything on your wedding day. Just say whatever. Yeah. 
All right. Just do that and go with advice taken. Advice. Yeah. Right. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. This is this has helped my my planning skills immensely. I feel yeah. I feel like I can plan anything. I have had a wedding one time, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like anyone who's coming to town. Wait, Jay Z's coming? I'll plan his event. Don't worry about it. I got this thing down. When it comes Great. to planning things, now I'm a master. That's why there's professional wedding planners that make thousands of dollars just to plan a I wedding. I understand because it's overwhelming. It's, it's worth every like, penny. <laughs> right now, right now, Sarah and I are at the point where we're starting to get our invites in our RSVPs back. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, I now we got to build. Money. Yeah, you definitely should send yours, by the way. Um, but now I'm, get, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, um, I got to build these tables effectively. And if they're not done right, people are going to hate me forever. Because I've hated people forever at their weddings for putting me at bad tables. <laughs> so now I understand, though, how, I next to the how daunting this task is. It's outside, Jordan. Oh. Yes. Okay. You know this already. We, wait, you're <laughs> in my wedding. next to the outhouse? You're, you're in the wedding, Jordan. <laughs> we already you talked about your things. outhouse on this podcast, didn't we? No. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> I, I got one, by the way. Okay, good. It's, it's, it's Thank like, God. Uh, it's like a little trailer. It has two different like entrances for different parts yeah. of the restroom, male and female. I think you, I think you had found it. I'm doing a very traditional theme wedding where each bathroom will be reserved for female and male guests. So really throwing it old school. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I did get one. Which your is wedding cool, is so. sponsored by Target. People don't <laughs> people don't don't have to pee in the woods anymore. So that's good. Yeah, my mom was kind of worried about that. Said, the said, woods are gender neutral. We'll yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're accepting of anyone. So anyway, um, enough of that hogwash. On to more important things. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, obviously, some big news, uh, tragic news has happened over the weekend. There were really two things that happened in New Jersey. Um, one was specific to New Jersey, and that was, I'm, I'm sure you heard that, the singer, Christina Grimmie. Yeah. Uh, she was murdered. And right. It was crazy. Um, I, had, uh, I have a couple of friends of mine who either know her or were acquaintances or in one mm-hmm. in one case were actually really close friends with her. And it was, I mean, when I heard the news, even I was like kind of shell-shocked for a minute. Like, wait, wait, who, what, how? Right. Um, really sad. And then as if things couldn't get worse, then this horrific shooting um, happened in Orlando at at the uh, at that club um, where, you know, it looks like a terrorist um, mowed down 50 people. And it terrible, ab- right. horrific. And our prayers are, are with the families and... Um, I know that there's been a lot of a big push um, in all different communities to kind of give blood. So we're thinking of those people for sure. And especially to the families, I mean, the victims families, I can't imagine getting that phone call. And some of the uh, some of like the stories that I'm reading are just like, I mean, you you read them like there was one. uh, There was a couple that was going to get married and now they're having a joint funeral. And you hear those stories. and You're just like, wow, like the the impact of, Mm. of these things are. They're just really, they're really deep, obviously, you know. Um, but I did want to talk about the the Orlando, not necessarily the actual, you know, um, shooting that happened, but kind of the ripple effect. Because usually, or historically, a lot of times, things like this that are so, um, I guess, vicious, for lack of a better, a better term, and just really shocking, they tend to really unite uh, a nation often. Um, you know, sure, when, yeah. 9/11, when, when 9-11 happened, for example... Her, really one of the worst tragedies in, in U.S. history. Yeah. But this, the very, very thin silver lining in it was that it really united our nation. There, We were Americans. We united under that fact. It didn't matter what our race was, what our sexual preference was, what our, religious, our, our religion was. We were just united around that, that what happened was terrible and we need to come together as a nation to heal. But more and more lately, I've been noticing that, that these kinds of things that are happening 
are now starting to have the opposite effect where they're really starting to be more and more divisive. Um, I'm not sure if you see much of that, but for me, especially on, on social media in particular, it's just more and more ruthless than I've ever seen it before. Yeah, no, definitely. I think like right away, I mean, other than just kind of like seeing the news um, as it kind of as it was happening, I guess, you know, later that day. Um, but yeah, really the first things that were popping up were just really, I mean, maybe I guess because it's, you know, towards a certain group of people, I can see that, you know, being more likely to cause division than if there were a lot of different, you know, groups and backgrounds of people involved in the tragedy. Um, but even so, I feel like, it's, you know, yeah, I think you're right. It does seem to be having this strange opposite effect, almost as if we're, we're looking for things to, to fuel our division. Right, <laughs> right. Well, I, I've been sitting here as, you know, as a follower of Jesus. I've been just trying to process this whole weekend. I've been asking myself the question, like, how am I supposed to respond to this stuff? And a lot of it has just been don't respond, to, frankly. I've really made an effort not really to get into too many especially social media context, you know, discussions, because they, at this point, they really go nowhere. I'm sure you've seen that graph uh, of like uh, percentage of people like uh, that uh, of opinions who, uh, you know, you change after a Facebook discussion, uh, percentage of people uh, that, that get upset and the percentage of people that no one's opinions change. And it's all that one. It's all just 100 yeah. percent. No one's opinions change. Everyone's more angry. Right. And that's <laughs> kind of what happens in this case. But I've been just kind of observing and just, you know, I have a decent, I would like to think, somewhat eclectic background of friends in my in my feed. So I have a lot of people from the LGBT community posting, a lot of people from the right-wing conservative posting, uh, quite a few from the, the feminist movement posting, and so on and so forth. And it just seems like everyone has a different reason for why what happened actually happened. You know, I feel like it's it's almost it's so cookie cutter. The responses you got the Donald Trump supporters immediately just, you know, well, this guy was Muslim and this is more of the future and we're under attack. And, you know, we need to just cut the country off to immigrants who are of that of that faith. And then surprisingly to me, this has been one of the more surprising ones. The the LGBT community, I found a lot of like. This sounds super weird, but the, the backlash I've seen, a lot of it was towards Christians. And right. I, I was really confused because – and, I, I, and I, I really mean this. I'm, I'm confused because I don't know, like, how Christians caused this event to happen. And if anything I've seen, besides the exception of one idiot on uh, some Arizona pastor who's a complete – moron who said that the shootings were a good thing that's the only christian i could find mm -hmm. that was celebrating such a tragic horrific evil event but all the other people that i know or that i've read in the news like chick-fil-a opening up on sunday and you know handing out free food to people who were donating blood now i know chick-fil-a isn't necessarily a you know you can't be a christian company quote unquote, you know essentially right, but right. they're known for their for lack of a better term, Christian There's a good chance there was a Christian that made that decision, yeah. though. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I, I would tend to bet on it, you know? Yeah. And so I, I was confused because I feel like, you know, in, in one sense, a lot of that community, and obviously they're really hurting right now, and I... I never could. I can never fully relate to that experience of what it's like to grow up gay in America and having, you know, kind of for a lot of years a big Christian backlash against that type of lifestyle because that's exactly what happened. And you and I have talked about that 
extensively how we kind of dropped the ball and how we handled the situation. It's not that we were asking people to water down their beliefs, but the way that we kind of forced it and the way that we kind of pushed it into that public eye really, I think, was mismanaged. But that being said, when it comes to things like this, I mean, that shooter called 911, pledged allegiance to ISIS, and then shot up a club. I, I, I was so perplexed as to how, you know, some people got so upset at Christians for the, for that shooting. I think part of their point was that, well, we created this culture of hate. But in this particular instance, this shooter was pledging allegiance to a whole different culture, for lack of, right. a, of a better term. It wasn't the American culture they were pledging allegiance to. It was a culture that routinely throws gays off buildings, hangs people for their, for their sexual orientation, and also abuses women. So I, w- I was really, I don't know, I, I'm, I, I hopefully people who are listening who, you know, are are in that in that community can hear that i'm just i'm really perplexed truthfully i'm not trying to stir the pot here i just don't understand why yeah yeah no i think the hate kind of this division or this uh culture of um, i don't know you said a second ago something about like a culture of like hatred or like uh Maybe maybe oppression is is a good word here. Okay. Um, you know, because a lot of you know, it was really the the Christian the Christian uh, right wing. What's what's the moral majority movement that right. really fought hard against you know legislation banning same sex marriage that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, and definitely that thing. I think when it comes to like just our attitudes towards each other as you know different groups of people within our country, um, it really takes everyone. It takes like a back and forth escalation for things to get to the point where they are now. You know, it's not just that, you know, if it was one group of people, you know, hating on another group of people and with never any response back or, you know, complete love coming back, you know, something like that, you'd have a really ostracized group of hateful people like, you know, I don't know, Westboro Baptist Church or something sure, like that. Sure. You know, where those people, like everyone hears about them and they're like, oh, yeah, those guys, they're, they're crazy. Um, hopefully, I would hope people think that they right. don't represent Christians as a whole. I think right. most people understand, even outside of the church. Um, but I think really, when it comes to um, kind of our, you know, the the cultural climate that we have right now in our country, where there's a lot of division, a lot of hatred towards each other, it's come from like this escalation that has never really been possible until recently. Um, you know, with uh, social media and just the ability to communicate with people yeah. that are you know far away from us or just not you know our in our community or our neighbors like this you know, it has escalated so quickly because we've been able to you know throw that hatred back and forth <laughs> um i think that's really been you know a big part of growing no absolutely um there are so many ingredients that go into something to, to that that go into a reaction like we're seeing from the shooting because the shooting really couldn't have happened at really a worse time because our, our nation is already so politically divided. I mean, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump yeah, are really our being presum- an election year. right are really <laughs> yeah. our, our our presumptive nominees and I mean the people who support either side, you got to have some pretty extreme views because between Donald Trump, I mean, enough said with him publicly, he has no filter and the things he says are so inappropriate so often. But then you have someone like Hillary Clinton, whose background is terrifying, not to mention she's currently being investigated by the FBI. Right. I mean, whether whether you want to spin that one way or another, the fact is the fact she's being investigated right now. You know, that that's who we currently have running for president. We have a, a, a 
you know, a, a business mongol who is just a, a, a very crass, harsh businessman. And then we have the epitome of a politician, uh, greasy, slimy, with it, with a huge, you know, kind of Clinton era backing her with a lot of shade behind it and weird mismanagement of funds. And even the, thing, mm-hmm. even the whole Benghazi situation, I mean, there are so many things attached to that, that name Clinton that right. come up. We're, we're really... We're, we're, we're really building a, a deeper and deeper trench. And so that happens, and now the shooting happens, and not just not just a shooting towards anyone, but in particular, it was directed at a gay nightclub. So that's already a hot-button issue. The whole LGBT community discussion is already so, so opinionated. So this yeah. really was... I mean, I don't know if, if the gunman planned it this way on purpose or if he just didn't realize what he was doing, but the timing on this couldn't have been more effective because what we're seeing is this ripple effect of divisiveness. And I, I was thinking about this the other day. I really wonder if that's the second intentional effect of the of the um, the mainstream, you know, not mainstream, but I guess the uh, the current terrorism that we're seeing is to really get a nation to divide itself by doing these things randomly, and then watching, pe- and then kind of stepping back and watching people argue over, well, it's we need, we need more gun control, or no, we need more guns in the street, or no, it was this person's fault, no, 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 it's really a culture of hate that we did that caused this person to shoot, well, no, 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 it's really you know overseas Islamic terrorism, you know, there's all these different views, and they're and they're getting more and more hostile towards each other at what point and where's the role of the christian to be in the middle saying guys we need just to really take a step back and you know look at truth look at what really happened and and give and take on but you're gonna have to give and take at, at some point on both ends you just have to yeah i was just thinking it's i feel like right now for christians and for the church it's really important i think that we don't take sides <laughs> in things you know, like maybe now, I mean, I'm, I'm all for Christians, you know, voting and engaging in the political system. Um, and we've podcasted about that before. Um, but I think there's times where maybe, you know, like what's, you know, the purpose of the church is to be, you know, the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's Jesus' plan, you know, for, for spreading his kingdom. And if, if we, can't do that because we're 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 jumping on one side of an issue, a political issue or the other. Um, you know, maybe it's a good time for us to take a step back from the whole political realm in general and just say, "Hey, you know, we're here, and right. we want to love people, right? And we're not going to engage in one side or the other. Maybe I do have opinions one way or the other right. on this, but I'm not going to put them out there right now because that's not what's important." Exactly. Exactly right. No, I think it's a great point. I was uh, again on Facebook again, and I, uh, I, I. This was earlier today. Someone posted. It was something on Sean Hannity, of course, and it was this pastor, and then this, um, this is uh, this uh, Islamic uh, cleric, and they were debating back and forth, and the pastor was just, I mean, berating this guy over and over that you know. You know, uh, the New Testament never says to kill anyone, but the Quran does. I mean, just really like harsh and abrasive. And I'm watching this guy, and it says on Fox News, Pastor So and So, you know, having this conversation. He calls himself a pastor, but yet here he is politically charged coming across harsh, not giving a respectful defense of the gospel, and if anything, he's again stirring the pot. He's not offering to heal. He's offering just to burn bridges and to, and to, and to really dig deeper and deeper trenches at at any time, if, if not now, I mean, if, if, if there's not a more important time than now to not be that guy, you know, 
it's now. This this is the time to not be yeah. the the guy who's throwing gasoline on the fire. But seeing Christians come out and just really ramp up the rhetoric. Listen, I'm not saying that that there isn't a, another side that does the same exact thing. I'm not I'm not dis, I'm not saying that that's not true. But it's not our job to keep fighting back and forth. Our, like you said, Jordan, our job is to be kingdom warriors. Our job is to bring healing and to bring just the gospel to people who really need it. And right now. People need the gospel. They need the healing arms of Jesus. They don't need more and more rhetoric thrown at them about how we need more guns in the street or how you know Islam really is no religion of peace and it's a religion of hate. I mean that that, that that's the least that's the least kind of rhetoric we need right now right. coming from 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 the mouths of Christians because right. it really goes well, nowhere. Some of those things may be true, and some of those things right. may be important at different at some point in time, mm-hmm. and and it's maybe even okay to support certain those things what i'm saying is like right you know now is not the time to do that right <laughs> you know right like put, put aside it doesn't mean that you can't hold beliefs or opinions or things of course not and you can't be passionate about you know certain issues but this but to be a christian has to first and foremost be about you know loving people loving jesus and loving people i mean what um, <laughs> what, what are the two greatest commandments love yeah. lord your god with all your heart soul mind right. and strength and love your neighbor as yourself that literally yeah. is what jesus said are the two most important commandments period those are the two if you're if you're missing those two things especially you know loving your neighbor if you're missing that forgot the third most important commandment uh, what's that just always be right oh yeah i forgot <laughs> it's more guns and always be right no i forgot about that one my bad i think that that was uh that was the rewritten uh, donald trump uh you know version so no but honestly i mean i, I hear three and, corinthians and, and jordan you're absolutely right it's not wrong for us to have opinions i have opinions you know, one of mine is I tend to be a believer in the. I really believe that guns are, you know, are not the problem. I really believe it's people, and I I believe that. But at the same time, is that view or me sharing that view on Facebook really going to bring healing to those yeah. victims? Manage to stick it in this podcast. <laughs> so, I don't know. But you know what I'm saying, though. Like, <laughs> like not, yeah, what no. good is espousing my opinion like that if it's not going to heal anything? Right. I can't change what happened on Saturday night. Right, I can't do that. But but me espousing, no, this is why we need more guns. This is why we need you know big government staying out of our lives. That doesn't bring any more healing. That only you know it only divides the gap further and further. Right. I think people have kind of a fear that if they take this like middle ground, maybe if you would call it, where you know you're you're maybe setting aside your opinions and making an effort to bring people together, that somehow you know, the other side is going to win <laughs> right? because of that. Because right. you let your guard down. Now the other side has the upper hand and they're going to take all your guns or, right. or whatever it is. Or you, you know? don't want to be known as, as a lukewarm Christian. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, why are you playing yeah. in the middle? It's like, <laughs> oh my goodness. No, but it's like the middle. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, if the middle is the, necessarily the best thing to call it, but for lack of a better term, maybe. I mean, like that's really where we're called to be and it's not being lukewarm to not take a stance on political issues and to say i'm going to stand for something much higher yeah than these political issues right you know i'm going to stand for loving god and loving people like i'm supposed to as a christian right right um jesus didn't really discriminate against the terrorists the gay the jew this you know there is yeah doesn't say love your neighbor unless they do really bad things to you unless they have a sexual preference that 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 you tend not to like. There is none of that in there. It's just right. love your neighbor, period. No ands, ifs, or buts. Yeah. Somehow though, in our 
rhetoric-driven, social media-driven society, we like to pick and choose the parts that make the most sense and discount the rest. And we're seeing that here because a great example of that is that, you know, you have some people who are saying, like we said earlier, no, 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 this, this isn't about Islam extremism. Those are really, you know, it's not about that, but it's like, okay, well, we got to call it what it is. The guy pledged allegiance to the, the Islamic State. That is a terrorist organization, Period. I mean, we get, we got to call it that. That, that. That's what happened. At the same time, some of these other people, no, we need more guns. It's like, okay, can we just take a, a, a step and just, I mean, is there anything wrong with, with making gun ownership a process? Is there anything wrong with, 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 with requiring background checks? Absolutely not. But no one wants to give and take on those points. They'd rather just plant their feet firmly in the ground, stay in their comfort zone of what they tend to think is true, and then not concede any points to anyone else. And what happens when you do that? is that you just continue to widen the gap. And eventually, we're going to get so far apart, we're going to have a nation that wants to separate from itself. And right. then at that point, we don't, we don't have a nation anymore. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think people look at taking this stance, um, even for Christians, we'll just say for Christians, um, because you know that's what I'm familiar with. <laughs> um, I think that they, um, I think for some Christians, it feels like they have to take a stance one way or the other, because that's how they're being, you know, that's how they're being radical or passionate or whatever the opposite of, you know, lukewarm, like you just used the term lukewarm, whatever the opposite of that is. I don't want to be a lukewarm Christian. You know, I want to right. be um, passionate about something. I want to take a stand and make a difference on something. And they feel like they have to go one or the way or the other. Either it has to be, you know, protection, right wing, you know, more guns, whatever. And it takes the form of these like political issues um, because that's what's going on around us in the culture. Yeah. And really what it means to like step out of that culture, I think is what we need to think about. And what does it mean to, you know, step out of our comfort zone? Cause that's almost like our comfort zone. Like the things that we like and agree with, like just being really loud about those things doesn't make us like radical you know that doesn't right that doesn't take us out of it makes us obnoxious yeah sure <laughs> but not you know? necessarily radical <laughs> think about like what's really the opposite of a lukewarm christian you know to be a, like a radically for christ right is really going to take us out of somewhere we're comfortable you know it's going to put us in contact with people that we're not comfortable being in contact with um and it's really kind of like a, just a different place and you know that's really what's what's radical or what's what's going to make a difference and be effective well, I, is I, not loudly stating our comfortable position right like right you know it's stepping away from that maybe where more towards the middle where we're not as comfortable i think radical says that that if you're in orlando and you're a church so you open your your doors to that community to the lgbt community yeah. for counseling for just someone to talk to you invite them into your home you let them know that hey, we're we're with you on this. We we want to see healing brought back to to your community. That's radical. You know, radical is not on Facebook. You know, espousing your your views and espousing how you know how crazy this nation is and how far from God we are. Anyone can do that behind their keyboard. But going up to an actual human who just suffered possibly you know a a, a, a terrible like mental you know trauma and consoling them and being on the ground with them feeding them though that's where the radical steps in you know keeping that relationship going beyond just 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 the media's version of of this being a, a hot button issue you know that's how you become a radical christian is by is 
is they'll know you by, by your fruits. They'll know you by, by your love for each other. When, when the world sees that, when they see tangible hands and feet reaching them, that is what says radical, not espousing your Twitter view, not, not posting this video of some pastor blasting some, you know, Islamic teacher. That, that's not radical. That's just stupid, obnoxious. It does, when you really think about it, right, when you think about the, like, what impact does this have? The answer is really nothing. It just makes you feel good. Like, you're, it's almost like your mind plays tricks on you to make you think that you're making a difference, but in reality, you're really not. Yeah. You're really not. You're not making any difference by posting, you know, your your Facebook view. And I'm kind of a hypocrite because I do that often. But <laughs> I've had to get more and more in, in the mindset of why are you posting this? Because unless it's it's going to bring some kind of healing to someone, it's probably not worth posting about. Right. It's probably not worth posting about. Yeah. No, I tend to not post on Facebook at all. <laughs> like. Every once in a while, maybe you'll see something, usually something stupid and not, you know, not having to do with a serious issue just because I feel like, you know, anytime I want to, um, if I see something that kind of, uh, provoked something in me, you know, to want to respond to something, it's always kind of like, I have to step back and take a second and be like, you know what? I'm just going to get in an argument with this person that's going to further separate us. And that's what it comes back to. Again, it's like, you know, talking about things and discussing things for the purpose of, you know, mutual um, edification. Sure. Yeah. That's a big word. <laughs> that's a big word. Boom. That or uh, I'm just thinking like, the, what's the opposite of ignorance? I don't know. Like. <laughs> Nurance. N- <laughs> Not ig. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what, what you'd call that necessarily. Um, talking to people and having conversations for that purpose, I think is really good. And I think in some ways, um, social media and whatnot can be good because it can be used for that. Um, and it can be used to better understand people that aren't close to you, um, that aren't either aren't in the culture where you are, that aren't, don't have the same background or same lifestyle as you. But when it's used to kind of, um, when it's used to yell at each other really is what it is, um, you know, and argue, it, it doesn't do anything but divide people and spread that divide more and further apart um, because you're not changing anyone's mind. <laughs> you're not changing anyone's mind with anything. And even if you did, what would be the point of that? Now they'd just be on your side. And <laughs> and then what? You know, and you'd still be in two different sides, <laughs> right? Exactly. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, it's a little discouraging, I think, sometimes for sure. I, and this goes—I mean, this always is. Everything's tied to everything else, right? So this really ties into just that mentality of, um, well, I posted my my daily Christian thing, so I'm a good I'm a good Christian, or right. I have this political view, so I'm a good Christian, but. If biblically speaking, when you look in the scripture, that's not what defines your faith. You know, right. I mean, it says in James that true religion is taking care of the orphan and the widow, not posting a status or, you know, shouting from, from the rooftop your yeah. political view or voting for a certain political person. That's not good Christianity. That's not even true faith, so to speak, you know. And it can be tough because it's very hard to cut through. Um that all really it's hard to cut through all the noise because there's so much of it because we are really bombarded in this information age and the problem we're starting to run into is that we don't know what's true and what's not you know i mean think about it right whenever something whenever something like this happens there's immediately 
maybe, you know, there's maybe four or five different like memes that will just flood Facebook around how or, or why gun control actually reduces crime. And there'll, be, there'll be all these stats yeah. in all different countries about how they have no guns and they have no killing, you know, they have no mass shootings or whatever it is. And then at the same exact side, or a time, another five memes will come out that will support why having more guns actually brings down crime or right. brings down mass shootings. And you, you <laughs> look at it and you think, what am I, what, which one's right? They can't both be right. They're, they're saying the complete opposite. How can they both be true? So that's one of the things that we run into in this society. One of our struggles is that the question, what is true, is such a huge question because anyone can post any opinion. And if it gets enough traction, it can be seen as a fact when maybe it's not a fact. Yeah. So there's so many layers to all this. And the Christian all too often, I think, gets sucked into the into the the, the tornado of, of of our culture, of of our media. And they just get sucked right into all of the wind, and they go, "No, yeah, I gotta get involved. I gotta I gotta say what's right." But so often they're misquoting Bible verses out of context, sure, or yeah. they're misquoting <laughs> political talking points that aren't even accurate. Right. You know, and then they become part of the problem. They become yeah. part of the problem. At the risk of quoting scripture out of context, go for it. Let me say, you know, when the Bible says that faith without works is dead. Right. Like posting something on Facebook is not a work. <laughs> right. You know? right. That is not what it's talking about. You know, <laughs> wait, wait, it's saying, not? <laughs> um, using your words because you have to look at that verse and also remember the verse where it says, you know, to give account of the gospel, but do it in gentleness and humbleness, and love. Um, but when it says that, you know, works are important, it's not talking about, you know, Posting something spiritual online that that took you three seconds. Wait, and are you're you still saying, in your underwear? Hold on, are you <laughs> saying posting your Instagram photo of your Bible, your coffee, and your journal on a mountain? On a mountain with a great filter and hashtagging <laughs> God's creation, hashtag daily devos, hashtag spirit filled life, hashtag kingdom life is not a work. Well, me. No, no. <laughs> not at all. Okay, good to know. <laughs> good I to was know. worried for I. I wasn't clear for a second. So yeah, no, but like what you were saying, uh, the Bible says what true religion is. You know, taking care of the orphans and the widows, and you know, you have to look at what are these really tangible things that we can actually do. You know, what right. can we actually do that makes a difference in someone's life? Um, and I think it's important to be careful with that because we. It's easy to just jump in for five minutes and fix up a building or um, feed some homeless people. Right. And while, yes, maybe those, some of those things are helpful, um, may, is that, I mean, are you thinking about, like, how is that really affecting that community? How, right. how is it really impacting that community? Right. Absolutely. I think of, like, that, that article I shared with you recently about the short-term mission trips and how so much of what we do when we go somewhere for a week is really not that helpful because right. first of all, we're doing things that we probably should be letting these people do for themselves because they need jobs and things, you know, we're going in and fixing up buildings when there's probably people right down the road that need a job and they could be hired to fix up these buildings for less than the cost of our plane ticket to get down there. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. So I think it's really important to do things like that, but also to really to be in in a place where you 
know that community and you know what's really going to be helpful for them. Um, and that kind of goes back to what you're talking about, just getting out of your comfort zone. You know? Yeah, but I mean, you know, going kind of going off of what you're saying with the short-term mission strips, the other side of that coin as well is that oftentimes they accidentally become about us. Man, yeah. God really changed my heart while I was down in the the Dominican. I had no clue people lived like that. Okay, so you went down there for you, or you went down there right. to really cause an impact? And I think that can be good in that it could change someone's heart in the long term, so that sure. they actually do go and make a difference. <laughs> right, know. but but again, but I, I see what you mean. But I mean, really, at, at whose expense? Sure, that's the question, yeah. right? I mean, like you said. That I read the article. It was good. And there's also there's a book too. It's called When Helping Hurts. A good friend of mine, Paul Paul Guttaker, Yeah, uh, he recommended it to me. I haven't had time to go through the whole thing, but that that that's the basic premise is that these short term trips where we're painting buildings and whatever it is, we're actually not empowering that community at all. We're actually feeding their the victim mentality of well, we can't do it on our own. We have to wait for America to come and rescue us instead of giving them the life skills on really teaching them how to fish instead of just giving them fish to eat. Right. And but. That takes real time. That takes real mm-hmm. effort. That can't be done in 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 in, in a one week youth group short term missions trip. It can't be done that that yeah. soon. Or if if it if it is just one week, it has to be very limited as to what you're focusing on. So I I totally agree with that, Jordan, 100. percent Right. And I think a lot of those things too are things that can't be done by foreigners. <laughs> you know, they can't necessarily be done by an American coming in and doing things like. I think a lot of you know, the ministries, I think of the, you know, the overseas ministries that are most effective are really like where the local people are doing, you know, all, if not, you know, you know most of, if not all of the work. Um, I think right. of historically guys like, uh, um, who was the guy who went to China? And Hudson. Started, Hudson Taylor. Thanks. Hudson Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hudson Taylor, you know, going to China and, he was the only, you know, European person there in that community, really, you know, at least doing what he was doing um, and trying to engage those people. But he, he built relationships. And, and the, a huge part of that story is actually just how he started, you know, becoming really like them. You know, he cut right. his hair like them. He dressed right. like them. That's the he point. really became a part of that community. And I feel like I'm going on a tangent here. No, you're okay. Um, but... But just that idea of like that level of engagement in a community is really what's going to make a difference. When um when I was down in the Dominican, we were working with a a couple there who spent pretty much their their whole adult life uh, in the Dominican. I mean, like thirty or forty years worth, and they are they are really one of the locals, even though they're from America originally. And they had groups come in weekly, and I would always ask, so what's it like having groups come in? And they say, well. Honestly, a lot of times, especially with the older crowd, it's really difficult because they want to do things their way. They don't want to learn the culture. They'll want to come here and eat American food. They'll be upset that we can't get pizza for them. Or, or, or they'll want to come and, and, and speak each night in like a church setting where people don't come out to that. Then they get frustrated because no one's coming out. But that's because they, they don't realize how this culture works and they're not, they're not willing to change. And I, I remember her telling me that. I, I was thinking... That is crazy. Like, how could you come from one culture to another, de- then demand that the culture you're in meets your needs? It's the complete opposite of what many, you know, when you when 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 you flip that when you flip that on its on its on its head and bring it here, we want immigrants to conform to us. 
But when we go to them, sometimes we want we want them to conform to us right. too. No matter how everybody needs to be American. Right. And, I mean, and, and look, we're I mean, so good at life. Right. And I'm <laughs> definitely generalizing here. You know, yeah, I'm sure it's yeah. not everyone, but it, it kind of it, when I heard when she told me that, I, I kind of laughed. Like typical you know like when you're in the states act like us when we're in your country act like us you, you really can't win there you know but i absolutely agree with you jordan 100 percent that you really have to you have to be part of that culture and that that was one of the uh i think one of the unintended consequences of the gospel being spread so quickly from european countries was that we really westernized a lot of the world because we were so adamant about bringing the church our our, our form of how church should run in in africa in you know in india we were really adamant but this is way back you know back yeah in the, in, in and there the were day. certainly a lot of other factors you know for sure you know but that's something that we're kind of wrestling with now is you know well how do we meet them out in their culture in their context because the gospel is that beautiful it's so flexible it's right. not it's not about necessarily the aesthetic it's about the heart and so that aesthetic can look different in every single country and that's okay because it's the same exact jesus that you're worshiping yeah and i think that comes back very easily to just how we act in our own culture and engage our own culture because first of all you know our country is huge yeah. You know, I'm about to move from one side of our country to the other side of our country. And in thinking about that and considering what that means, especially, you know, looking at being part of a ministry there, really I've had to consider like that's going to be a different culture. Right. You know, and, and it, it it's weird because I don't, you don't necessarily automatically think about it that way. But from, you know, New Jersey to Seattle is, it's a huge difference. And they might speak the same language and drive on the same side of the road and, and dress the same. Ah, they're kind of liberal <laughs> over there, so yeah. probably all smoke um, weed and, you and know, in drive a lot on the of left ways, side. <laughs> in a lot of ways, the, the Pacific Northwest is similar culturally to the Northeast. Right, right. More so than it is to say the South or or uh, you know the Midwest or something. Sure. Um, but it is still going to be different. And I guess what I'm trying to say with that is like you. you Wherever you are, whether you're in kind of your like natural culture that you've grown up in and that you know, and or if you're going somewhere where it could be totally different, you have to look at, you know, how can you as a Christian engage that culture the way it needs to be engaged? You know, what what are the needs of your culture and your community yeah. almost? I feel like community is a better word for what I'm trying to say because it kind of brings it closer to yeah. to where you are. Um but that can't be done over Facebook. You know, that can't be done over social media. Right. You know, engaging your community um, isn't going to happen through your computer. It's going to happen by you getting, walking out your front door and going and talking to your neighbor, <laughs> you know, or, you know, or down the street, you know, and going out and meeting people. You know, it happens in the real world. <laughs> and I think that's going to become harder and harder as our culture becomes more and more digitized in a way no completely no 100 percent on that um it it definitely i think you're right I, we can't it's right now where i'm where, where i live i'm not really called to worry about california but there are sure. christians there who are called to worry about california but right. they're not called to worry about new jersey that's what i'm called to worry about yeah. and all you know and so you're right being being an impact, you know, changing the changing the world around you doesn't start by by looking at at what, or I should say, looking at at these huge, you know, global stories. 
that's you know that's one place to worry about. But really, our place to worry about is wherever wherever we're, we're located. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's New Jersey. For me, it's this area. For me, it's where I'm moving in a couple months. That's who I God's put me in the path of people who who are there who just need the love of Jesus, you know? And I think that's how you really change the world around you, and that's eventually how you change the world. Because, I mean, let's face it, Christianity is still the dominant, you know, really, really faith of the world. And whether it's watered down in a lot of areas or whether most people really believe in it is one thing, but there are still a lot of really devoted followers of Jesus. If if they really took that call to the extreme, you know, they could really impact their local communities and those local communities start impacting the world around them. Yeah. So I, I agree hundred percent with you on that, that it's not, you know, things like that happen in Orlando are tragic. And of course, whatever we can do to help them out, we need to do hundred percent, but it, we start changing the culture around us, yeah. you know, and we start worrying about that instead of what Facebook thinks or what this person on, on Twitter thinks, or this article I read thinks, whatever that is, you know, in a sense, you kind of, you kind of have to tune that out. And just really worry about well, what? Who are the people in my local area that I can talk to every day that I'm yeah. building relationships with? Yeah, I would argue that going and having a single a conversation with a single person in a Starbucks has to be a Starbucks. Duh. Just kidding. <laughs> it can be anywhere. Going and having a conversation with a single person face to face, you know, about real things, you know, about their life and your life, would have far greater impact on the world. You know, than you posting something on Facebook that all thousand or two thousand of your Facebook friends are gonna read. Um, I think that would have way more impact just with that one person. Um, you know, even if it because it's about quality. You know, what's the quality of your your outreach? Yeah, because so much so much context gets lost over the, over a computer screen. Can't read tone, can't read vocal, uh, you know, inflection, can't read facial expressions, and so all you're reading is black and white text. You're interpreting it how you want to interpret it, and all right. of a sudden now you're in a whole different world of, you know, you, all of a sudden you're wrapped up in this conversation for the sake of your of what you think is your pride. You don't want to stop responding because you don't want that person to think, well, I just chickened out. Yeah. So that now you become kind of wrapped up in this huge cycle. It becomes a real problem. Not to mention just the 99% of people that see what you say online are going to completely ignore it. Right. You know, like I've probably liked a hundred things in the last week. Right. I can't remember one of them. Right. <laughs> like right now, thinking about it. Except for not that really one good recipe thing comes for no bake Oreo brownies. <laughs> yeah. That I remember. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, but the kind of things like and maybe it's because I don't even I, I kind of try and not even look at Facebook as, you know, a, a legitimate like engagement for me. Like right. I, I don't look at that as like, oh, I'm gonna go on and learn something on Facebook. Right, but, right. Um but but it's kind of it speaks to just kind of how unimpactful that is, you know. The right. things that you post, you know, are so, um, you know, it's so easy. And I think it's 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 dangerous that Christians could start to feel like that is what the Bible's talking well, about. Well, it's really a false sense of impact. Yeah. You feel like you're making an impact because you got 30 likes and two shares. Sure. You think that that you're changing something because people were, were celebrating how smart you are and wow, great words and wow, that yeah. sounds great. I'm going to share this, but the reality is that it's gone with the wind. You know, you might be throwing a million things against that wall and nothing is going to stick, even though you feel like you made such a huge impact. Right. What's it's so inefficient. You know, because you think that that what you're doing is good, you think that what you're saying is impactful. At the end of the at the end of the day, though, look at look at where look at where we are. We're more divided right. than ever. 
we're more divided than ever. We're, we, we have more views than ever on, 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 on why this person shot up this club. We have two politicians who reflect the, the really, really the state of the country. You know, they're more divisive than ever. They're not more coherent. You would right. think that with, with all the messages and debates being ha- uh, being had on Facebook over the past, what, 10 years, that we start to come together and see each other's viewpoints. But instead, the opposite has happened. We're <laughs> more dug in than ever. We're more, you know, we're more politicized than ever. We're more separated than ever. Right. We, we, are, we, we listen less than ever before because yeah. all we want to do is espouse our opinion on social media and feel good for it by, by getting our side riled up. Right. And because you're not going to change anybody's mind because that person's going to see what you say, know that they disagree with you. And regardless of the strength of their disagreement, right. they're going to go out and find some statistic that supports what they think. Right. And they're going to throw it right back at you. Right. And whether that statistic was true or not, who cares? It's going to get you riled up right. and you're going to go out and do the same thing. Right. You're going to Google the first <laughs> yeah. thing that you, that you can find. You know? Right. So you, you know, but when you can talk to someone face to face and have a honest conversation, you know, I've found, and I'm, I know you have too, because you've shared it with me before, just that the, the ability that two people have, even that have a great disagreement or or just different lifestyle or whatever it is, coming from two different places, can, regardless of whether they agree with each other, right? in the end, you know, will be much more united as humans, <laughs> you know, coming out of that face-to-face conversation than they ever could be, you know, online. I mean, you even told me about times where it's the same exact person that you've gotten into an argument with online, <laughs> and then in person we're able to talk to that person. Oh yeah, completely different result. Completely. <laughs> I've had that happen more than once, yeah. where me and that person get into it on Facebook. He invites me to coffee, or I invite him to coffee. We talk. We have a great conversation. We hear each other out. We both walked away, I think, a little bit changed. Yeah. With a little more empathy. Better. <laughs> yeah, with, with a little more empathy towards the other person's view. And we are great friends because of it. It's happened several times. Because when you're in person, you don't you really can't say what you what you say when you hide behind a keyboard. Right. And you huh. don't have access to all those great statistics and support right. for your or, argument. Or the people who are like <laughs> you're a little more flexible. There's no one tapping like, yes, Tim, I right. like that. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one's fueling that yeah. fire. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's your worldview against against their worldview, and it's done in a place where you both know that you both understand where you want to learn something. And if not, you know, it, it won't go anywhere. But but there, yeah. it's still not it's still not going to be um, you know, like vengeful in, right. in, when, when you're in person. I've never had someone scream at me in person. I've never screamed at anyone in person when I'm, when I'm having these debates. Sure, I've gotten passionate. I've gotten intense, but never to the point where I'm like, you know, wishing the person malintent right. and vice versa. And these yeah. are people with views that are way different than mine, whether they're they're just, you know, really, you know, what, what, whatever the view is. You know, if I disagree with them, we've still had great discussions in person because when you're in person, it breaks down the walls because they're in person. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to tell someone, hey, God hates you and you're going to hell in person. Yeah. But it's really easy to do that when you're on Facebook hiding behind a screen. Right. Or it's really easy to say, you know, hey, you as a Christian suck, and I think you hate all gay people behind a screen. But in person, you usually have a little more empathy towards them. Or, hey, so here's how sure. I feel, but you usually say a little bit differently. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it tends to break down those walls a lot easier. Yeah. We talked to the kid camp, uh, working at a summer camp, um, and just like the whole like conflict resolution uh, strategy, you know, that we have in place is all about like sharing how you feel because of a situation, you know, not say, not using those phrases like you did this or they did that. Right. You know, it's all about how you feel. 
and things like that. And it just made me think of it, what you said. Well, it's just that it's just that behavior and impact. Yeah. You know, hey, this behavior had this impact. That's that's right. how it made me feel. And, and, and whether right or wrong, hey, listen, whether you meant it or not, right. here's how I perce- here's how I perceived it. Here's how I'm feeling about it. When you have when you're able to be an adult again instead of being a child on Facebook. It, it's really amazing how much you can accomplish in a conversation, even though you might, you might have disagreements. And that's the beauty of America. We live in a country where people can have really different views, really different opinions, and we can still coexist. We can still do it. Yeah. We really can. It is possible for people who have different views on life and different lifestyles to coexist and to both have enough room for them. There's plenty of room for that. Yeah. But when you get into social media land, all of a sudden <laughs> there's no room for anyone except for the person that, you know, that that agrees with you. Right. And that and then that fuels I think into into reality. And then we have this huge problem on our yeah. hands, you know. We should just have two Facebooks. One for liberals and one for conservatives. <laughs> okay, that's a really great idea. And then we'll have another one for libertarians. Yeah, another one for <laughs> well, libertarians. We'll go on and on and on. Libertarians are always right. I mean, they're the ones who have had the most middle of the road, sane view. We all know this. Sure. <laughs> I'm I just saying. I, I feel like you're being sarcastic, and I have that feeling because we're sitting here face to face. If you said that online, I'd have no idea that you're being sarcastic. <laughs> well, Jordan, that behavior makes me feel this way. I feel like you don't take me seriously. I don't. <laughs> that is a fact. <laughs> I think several Facebooks could be great. It could be really good for our country to be divided. Even more so. <laughs> yeah. This is the Hillary Facebook. The- this is the Trump Facebook. <laughs> this is the Bernie Sanders Facebook. You'd go all those different roads. Yeah. Then you'd have people that like weren't really Trump supporters, but they'd have Trump supporter pages. Right. They could go on and yell at the people that were on that. Of one. course, <laughs> right, exactly. And then vice versa, you had the incognito Hillary supporters yeah. who really weren't Hillary supporters at all. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Sounds like a good point. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that, that that's enough out of my yeah. mouth. How about you? Any closing thoughts? Nope. Nope. <laughs> you have I any, have Jordan? one. Yeah. Right, I don't know. Just summing up. I feel like sum it up, Jordan. Summing it up. Um. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if you're looking to make a difference in a positive way in your world, you know, this world that we live in, that it's so important to engage your community and the people around you where you're at, you know, and face to face and in a real loving, kind, humble, gentle way. Um, and as a Christian, you know, we're called to do that. And yes, we're called to to you know, be ready to make a defense for what we believe and be ready to, you know, share truth with people. But it's the way that we share that and how we get that across that will even allow that to make an impact in someone's life. Um, you know, so so don't look at these mass, you know, posts, get it out there to as many people and get as many likes as possible, you know, activism kind of things because they're not going to actually make a difference. You know, what's going to make a difference is the small relationships that you have that actually have a really big impact on people. The end. Good words. Thank you. Everyone, thanks for hanging out with us. Um, hopefully, in the next week or two, we'll have another episode up. Um, but yes, enjoy your, uh, your time, whatever you're doing, wherever you're driving to. Yeah. May you do it in the name of Jesus. Have a great night, guys.